The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. It currently is just me, John Burke. Um, I will be joined with Corey Starr this evening, although Michael Sanchez is not available this week. He should be back in his normal role next week. However... Why I'm starting the episode off alone and solo rather than waiting for Corey is um, we're, we're trying a new format this week. Um, we're not changing the format of the show. And if you've listened before, you know um, we come up with a topic like last week's was top five Halloween movies. And Michael, Corey and I or whomever our other guests might be come up with our top five list. We get together and we go over them and we make fun of each other or we have a good time or we kick ourselves over uh, missing a movie like last week when I missed Murder Party. Um, That has been our structure, and that's not going away, but we want to integrate um, more people into the show, and to do that, we thought it'd be fun to do an interview format. So this is going to be our very first uh, Top 5 Movies interview format, where we're going to have a very special guest. Director and comedian Jordan Brady will be our first guest on Top 5 Movies and doing the interview format. So how this will work when we do these episodes is uh, we'll have a conversation with our guests. We'll talk about movies, maybe their love of movies, how they got into movies, um, and depending on what their role is with film. And um, then we conclude each episode with our guests, with them giving us their Top 5 all-time movies, breaking down from five to one what their favorite five movies are. And uh, we hope it'll be insightful, um, fun. I am recording this before the interview, so I don't know how it went. I hope it went well. And if so, good job uh, to all involved. But so tonight's episode or today's episode or whenever it is you're listening to this episode of the podcast, episode number 72, um, will be new. It's a new style. It's something we're looking forward to do maybe once a month or maybe more, depending on how often we schedule these interviews. Um, we would love feedback. So you can email us at contact at com. That's B-E-R-K reviews.com. Although if you're listening to this, you probably know. But just to make sure. So I didn't want to um, start the episode and have make Jordan listen to me blubber on about the uh, the format. So I figured I would record it ahead of time. Um, and I might do this. You know, there's, there's a lot of podcasts uh, who have little opening segments that they go over before so that's what i'm doing here um enjoy the episode all right everybody this is top five movies um now joining me uh cory star as always hello hello and with us this week our special guest jordan brady hey there so um if you don't know the name right off you should uh jordan brady is a director and comedian um most recently directed i am battle comic uh, Jordan, we want to thank you for doing the uh, top five movies this week and being our first interview uh, guest. Oh my goodness, I'm flattered. <laughs> I put on this special suit, and then I realized <laughs> it was uh, audio only. Well, you'll have to send us a picture that way we can post it with it or something. That'll be extra bonus material for all the the people who do listen and want to uh, see what the suit looks like. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I got to watch I Am Battle Comic earlier this year, and I, I really enjoyed it a lot that I sought out the other two documentaries. You did I Am Comic and I Am Road Comic. 
Um, I wanted to uh, first talk about what was your experience uh, doing I Am Battle Comic? Well, so I Am Battle Comic follows a group of comedians to Afghanistan, Kuwait, and parts of the Middle East I'm not allowed to talk about that begin with the letter I. <laughs> and we did we did stand-up comedy for the U.S. troops and the NATO coalition forces that are stationed over there to just kind of break up their the monotony of their day and, and take their minds off the danger that they face every day. And it was life-changing. It really was. I had no idea what the voluntary force, you know, the men and women that volunteer to protect our freedom, mm-hmm. what they go through. And me being against war in general, uh, specifically hating the Gulf War, protesting against why we're there, I learned to separate in my mind and in my heart the fact that you can hate the war, but you can uh, you can support the troops. Yeah, that definitely comes across in the documentary, too. And that was one of the things I really love about that doc is it's both extremely funny. The, the stand-up is great. And then you get— Oh, thank you. Oh, no, not at all. And you as well, um, which you had not toured for a while, right, um, prior to doing the, the USO stuff? Um, I did a weekend about—I think it was in 2013 when I filmed I Am Road Comic. Yeah. But before before that movie, it was like twenty one years. Oh man! Oh. But I went up a couple of times in L.A. and I was in Toronto. I went and snuck. I did an open mic night, just signed up like everyone else, and did five minutes. And I I practiced some of the routines. And I went to there's a club in L.A. called the Ice House. It's been around forever. And I just called up. Same one thing with this club in Burbank called Flappers. I'm like, hey, can I just do five? 10 minutes and people let me go up to kind of get my feet wet again. Mm-hmm. But the point of the movie wasn't me doing stand up no. after all these years. It, I just had to, it's interesting that I was ready to film. I am battle comic as the tag along fly on the wall filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the people that produced the tour said, well, we can't, we can't, buy your ticket and get you government clearance. Oh, wow. And and, all, and oh. you can't stay on base unless you're one of the performers. So you kind of had to do it in order to do so the movie. So I had to do it. Yeah, I had to do it to do the movie. And then, um, ironically, I still had to put together a, like a, just a two-page pitch to the Department of Defense on what I what my intentions were. You know, oh, I had wow. to have I had to be fully cleared to go on the trip by the government. So not an easy process, in other words. No, but everybody was really cool. I mean, the, uh, before I put the film out to the public, I also ran it by the DOD, as we lovingly call them, <laughs> so that no secret. Like, what if I inadvertently filmed some sort of secret yeah. plans or something? That's why a lot of the stuff in the movie is blurred out. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Um, but that—that's the other part. Like, you have the great stand-up, including yourself, and then um, you get the heart of all the stories that are being told. Some of the stuff that George Lopez tells, like I choked up with him uh, during his interviews, and that I really found that compelling with the film because you would have those really funny moments, and then you'd have the really heart, you know, heartfelt, touching moments. And um, it's one I, you know, I hope everyone gets a chance to uh, to see it. Well, I hope so, too. I mean, it's really easy to see. You go to IamBattleComic.com, and there's links to 
Amazon and to iTunes. And we have special links at IamBattleComic.com where you can buy a DVD and we split portions of the proceeds with the National Military Family Association. And for veterans' sake, they give therapy dogs to vets with oh. PTSD at, at no cost to the veteran. Wow, that's that's really great. So that's that's the way people should do it then is uh, get the DVD and that way some money goes to all these different uh, charities or services. Yeah, it's like a specific link for each of those two uh, charities. Like if you choose the charity you want to oh. help, and click on that link, you get a discounted price. And it's – look, it's easier to go to iTunes. It's easy to stream on Amazon or Vimeo or Hoodoo – Voodoo, I think it's called. Yeah, Voodoo. But uh, there's a bunch of those, but but really take the time and order a DVD off of uh, the site, and it will be helping the charities. You know what I learned? What's that? Not not all charities are allowed to do this. It's like an affiliate link. Okay. That people probably understand. Not all the uh, charities are allowed to do that per their charter. Otherwise, I would have had like 17 different huh. uh, military centric charities. You know, the point is, once you do it, I say to you that the, making this film changed my life. Like, once I was halfway done, I came back to edit. I'm like, if we don't do something to raise uh, the awareness of what troops are going through, start a conversation, and at the end of the day, let's raise a little money. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. People. So, yeah. Amazing. Whereas before that, I was just greedy and all for profit. <laughs> well. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the, I guess the Prophet movies, you d you did a few um, feature films um, with some big name actors that um, I I actually had I've unfortunately not seen these yet. Uh, these are now on my watch list though, um, which I watch quite a bit of movies, so these are uh, they're in the uh, the queue if you will. Um, but with the narrative films and the documentaries, which one uh, do you prefer? Well, it's. You know, I, I've been thinking about this question now for a week, mm -hmm. and I, I hope I can answer it. You know, making a movie with Charlize Theron before she was really huge or uh, Billy Bob Thornton, is mm -hmm. it's so fun to watch great actors work. And, you know, I'm a, I make commercials by trade, and I get to work with wonderful actors. But then the documentaries that I've, I've made three mm -hmm. are um, – they're like a creative sorbet because you're, you're jumping off the cliff without a narrative net. You don't oh, yeah. really know what the story – you know what you want your thesis to be, but you don't know what's going to happen. So they're two very different – You know, it's like if, if you ask me if I like uh, filet mignon or, or uh, a T-bone steak, uh -huh. they're both delicious. They're both full of protein, but – it depends on the flavor that I'm, I'm trying to not answer you is what I'm trying oh, to but <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and I totally get it. Um, I, the documentaries are fun because in, in editing, you you're writing with the edits, you know, you're crafting the story. So if you put a gun to my head, I'd say, Hey, put the gun down. And then I would say <laughs> the documentaries are, are probably more fun. Oh, well, I mean, the the documentaries have I, I grew up in the time when like Comedy Central was doing almost nothing but stand up. You know, now they have almost no oh, yeah. stand up. And so like I, I remember watching, you know, Gaffigan's first special, um, and Daniel Tosh's special and just uh, that was Comedy Central was like my T V channel. That was where I was all the time. Um and 
I love seeing so many of the comics that I know on I Am Comic and I Am Road Comic. Um, and there were some that I didn't know who now I, you know, I'm looking into and I'm looking into their stand up specials because I found them, I found their insights to be very funny. Um, I mean, it, it was great to see so many big names to, uh, to do a documentary like that. Cause he obviously, I would, my experience, I've tried to do a few mini docs, um, always like local stuff, but not everybody wants to be on camera or be like, you know, honest about something like that, you know, where you're letting people into who they are. And I found that, uh, all three documentaries were really compelling for that reason. Cause you get these insights into, uh, this industry and, um, even, um, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed, uh, getting to see all of them and, um, I just watched I Am Comic for the first time last, this week on uh, Amazon Prime, and uh, uh, Corey also uh, watched I Am Comic and I Am Road Comic this week uh, in preparation who for did this. You, who did you notice was unknown at the time that is now on Saturday Night Live and stars in Ghostbusters? Oh, um, oh I'm going to mess up her name. Um, I, uh, Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones. I I'm really... You know what? I'm so proud of the comedians, like having access to big name comedians for I Am Comic, which was shot in 2009, came out in 2010 by the time you edit. And we went to mm -hmm. some fest slam dance and film festivals with that. And so I'm really proud of having the big names, but I'm I'm extra proud of being able to uh, discover people that have gone on to great things. Like Nikki Glaser yes. was an unknown comic and now has had an MTV show, a Comedy Central show, stand-up specials. Leslie Jones I had put in a Burger King kids meal oh, wow. commercial as a park ranger <laughs> in 2006. And I knew she was a comedian. And, and believe me, like... When you're gonna when you're gonna cast, I think she's like six feet tall, and she's just in your face, oh. and you're casting her as a in a Burger King <laughs> kids meal commercial. You have to go to bat for that actor. Yeah. And I said, trust me, this woman is funny. She's going to go places, and so I'm so proud that she's a superstar now. Now see, um, that that's that's an amazing thing because I, I, when I saw her on the sh on I Am Comic, I actually didn't know she did stand up before Saturday Night Live. I knew her from Saturday Night Live and from Ghostbusters, um, and so I, it was really interesting hearing like her like that she came from the stand up circuit because a lot of Saturday Night Live they come from you know Second City or UCB, uh, the improv troops. Right, the improv, yeah. yeah, writer writer performers. Yeah, and so um, I liked seeing that that she did that side of her. I mean, obviously there are definitely stand-ups from Saturday Night Live, Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, um, David Spade, all in the stand-up circuit for a long time. But Saturday Night Live alone, but um, it's still it seems more common now that it's improv over over stand-up. So I like seeing. I think you're that's a good observation. You know, in the it was in the uh, early and mid '90s, Saturday Night Live would tap the stand-ups, which was a new that was a unique thing. Like Dennis Miller, Dana Carvey, oh yeah, uh, and then Spade, Adam Sandler, they came as the second wave of stand-ups in the 90s. But now, even television used to tap stand-ups. Oh, yeah. Right? Jerry Seinfeld, Roseanne, Tim Allen. Mm -hmm. Now, you see The Office is populated by writer-comedians. Yeah, that's... You know, I mean, writer-improviser-type people. Definitely true. I mean, Less I think Aziz Ansari was probably one of the uh, 
the few because he's in Parks and Rec, but he is a writer too. He's not just a stand up, but I, I've seen his stand up performances um, and definitely really funny with those as well. But uh, he did. Um, oh, I'm going to forget the show on Netflix. <gasps> Master 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 Master. There it is. Master None, one of my favorites. My wife and I so watched good. about seven episodes a night to catch up and binge them all. Oh, man. Yeah, I've heard yes. great things about that show. And I, I just watched his, uh, he won a BAFTA, I think, for it yesterday. And um, his acceptance speech is hilarious. If you haven't seen it, it's all over the internet and it's it's pretty great. But Oh, I got to watch. Yeah, it's, it's you know, him doing him uh, being very funny. And I think Edgar Wright actually gave him the award, too. So that's even more. Uh, oh, my one of my eye. favorite directors. Yeah, yeah uh, me as well. Um, absolutely. I keep. Just everything he makes seems like he made it specifically for me. Um, it's just everything fits perfectly for my uh, my taste. But, um, so you you did you started as a stand up comedian, right? Correct. And what made you transition from that uh, to filmmaking? Boy, you know, that's a that's a wonderful question. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think there was a day that I woke up and said. I'm going to transition into being a filmmaker. But while I was on the road, and this is going back several years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I started stand-up when I was about 17, and I did it until my 30s. And I, when video cameras became available, I bought one while I was traveling around. And I, I specifically remember Brian Regan, who's one of the greatest oh, stand-ups of all time. Brian Regan. Brian Regan and I were working in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, outside of Akron. And I had a video camera, and he would be backstage, or we'd be in the comedy condo where, you know, like the apartment they store the mm -hmm. comedians during the day. Yeah. And I'd made little movies about him, and I made movies about traveling around to colleges doing those gigs. So I sort of fell into it. And then as a comedian, as a stand-up, I was tapped to host television shows and some like a precursor to reality TV. I just started producing and directing segments of these shows. And then next thing you know, I go, well, I better write a script. So I wrote a script and I shot that movie and just, I weaned off of stand-up and then started directing, uh, just learning as I went. I had a lot of great people help me and teach me. So you know, it wasn't like, I'm done with stand-up, I break with thee. <laughs> there was no like was, inciting incident or anything that made you just give it up. It just was happened. No, I mean, the only thing is there was, there was a night. One of my favorite comedians, and we're the same age, is a guy named Dana Gould. Mm -hmm. And Dana Gould did a one-man show in the early 90s that started kind of the alt comedy movement. And I, I just remember thinking, I don't think I'm that dark or deeply funny as he is. Like he's really committed to this stand up thing. And I have other interests. Like I'd been making movies. I had taught myself how to edit and bought a, you know, a nonlinear editing system in the early days of Premiere. Like Adobe was. It was before it was even bought and sold by Apple, I think. Yeah. So I had other interests and thought, I'm not 100% into just being a stand-up, and that's what it takes. And I walked away that night. Like, if I were doing this as a movie, mm -hmm. I would I would point that night as the inciting incident. Like, 
that his show made me laugh and then broke my heart as oh, I left the, the theater. Like, I can't compete. That might be your next movie. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm I'm not comic. The, the, the follow-up to the other three would be perfect. I'm no longer comic. You, we did, thank you, guy. This is the watershed. That's that's what we're here for, Jordan. Uh, just to, to the three of us will share story by credit. I think I I that would work for me. I would take uh, I, that credit. <laughs> I was um I'm not as I don't watch as much stand up as. John does, um, but I was I really appreciated seeing Eliza Schlesinger in your yeah. Um, I like I watched Freezing Hot a couple years ago and I loved that. I think she's hilarious, but I thought it was really interesting kind of seeing the things that are not so glamorous about Ab- that work. Absolutely, you know that the the byline is, you know, it's I am comic, the art and occupational hazards of stand up comedy, because. I mean, Nikki Glaser alone in a in a oh. soiled condo in Ebor, right? That was, if I'm yeah, not mistaken, that, which is where that's like 30 minutes away from where I live, and I've played no many shows. Yeah, it is, and I've played many shows in that Very area. Little sketch. It's super sketchy. <laughs> I even um, I went to Doug Loves Movies at the uh, Tampa Improv uh, about a year ago, and just parking the car was a nightmare. Like there's people like, Hey, you can use this parking lot for 10 bucks. I'm like, this doesn't look official at all. This looks like you found right, an right, empty we'll lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why is there a couch in the driveway? Yeah. This is someone's oh, house. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so when that came up, I was like, Oh, of course it's Ebor. <laughs> the, one of the downsides of living in Florida is we're usually the butt of many, many jokes. Um, but, I'm sure that you notice this. I live in Idaho, and a couple of the comedians, and I believe I am road comic, we're talking about Idaho. And it is like that, guys. You like get into Boise, and then you start moving away from Boise, and it, am I going to be kidnapped? Or is this the beginning of a horror movie? You know? It, I feel like it really is like that. I oh, appreciated it. it. No, it, it's, uh, that's the real deal. Um, are you currently planning on a follow-up to I Am Battle Comic, or uh, like what do you have next? I mean, obviously, I know you do. Uh, you do your podcast, respect the process, um, and right. then. Oh, thank you for thank you for knowing that. That's a that's a pretty obscure thing. I don't really publicize. It's a filmmaking prod. It's a filmmaking podcast mm-hmm. that focuses on both indie film, but primarily, like eighty nine percent of it is. Uh, is a commercial film like Mm -hmm. making advertising so i appreciate you knowing that that's really cool yeah uh, actually i i I am now a subscriber and um i didn't know you had it until this week and i immediately was like oh that's great um because i i teach high school film and a lot of my kids um i i we're called a career academy so the goal is that i'm teaching them actual career skills that they could go into the industry and and start applying um, so it's right up our alley. It's what we try to do. You know, I try to teach them the basics and, and using equipment and they're most of the time they learn all the skills are not focusing on like one kid's not like, well, I'm an actor and that's all I'm going to do. Like they learn everything. They learn how to be a director. They learn how to be an editor. Not that I'm necessarily the most qualified as I am none of those things either, but it's something that I've studied and it's something I'm extremely passionate about, um, with film. So much so that I I spend most of my free time either talking about it or watching movies. So 
Um, I was excited what when I found the What a beautiful, blessed life you have. I, I do. Uh, I, I got very lucky. I didn't mean to become a teacher. I, I kind of fell into it. And then I fell into the opportunity to teach film. And it was just like, hey, you know, I get to talk to kids who are interested in movies, about movies, and then go home and watch more movies. And it's justified as working. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with what I get to do. <laughs> and, and, you know, the IRS needs to understand that you can't just watch movies. You have to have a full-on cable subscription to every <laughs> premium service. You need to buy popcorn to enjoy the movie, to be able to review it like a consumer would. Mm-hmm. You need to go to movies more often than most of us. Yes. Uh, I feel like these are their observation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and that's MoviePass is a great tool. I don't know if you've uh, heard about the MoviePass, but it's... Oh, my gosh. Ten bucks ten for bucks. all the movies you can see? I was. I, I think it's genius. Oh, yeah, I was a subscriber before they dropped their price, um, so it was. I was paying uh, 30 bucks a month. And I was still, still a bargain. It was, and I was getting my money's worth because I was seeing at least five movies a month, so it was cheaper than buying the tickets individually. And now, yeah, I'm I'm not their their number one type of client because I'm going way too many times probably for what they were expecting at the ten dollar rate. But you know, you're the guy that eats the whole buffet. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm the guy that they're like, oh no, uh, we need to put more food <laughs> on. So, um, yeah, that's uh, and that kind of I think will shift our focus um, after. Uh, you answered the actual question because I went on a little tangent there. I apologize, Jordan. Um, <laughs> right, uh, are you working on a follow-up or, or do you have anything that you well, want to do? I do. I have I have a couple things. One would be I am boat comic. Hmm. So that would be about the cruise ships. Yeah, yeah. That makes- because back in the day, if you in the first comedy boom, if you went to do cruise ships – you were kind of a hack. It was a middle of the road act. You had to be clean. You did. It was great money, but no one. You you were surrendering your ambition. Mm-hmm. You were settling to be on the boat for many weeks at a time and make a good living. But you weren't. You weren't going to try and be famous. You're going to do this boat act, and, and and again, you're not edgy. It's just middle of the road. And and for a while, it was controlled by the mob. You know, oh, it was wow. like a Vegas at sea. And now. Doug loves movies. Doug does some, I mean, it's not the pot cruise officially, but I'm, yeah. you know, it's like Weezer and Doug Benson on a cruise for a couple of days, or yeah. there's a rock and roll party cruise with comedians. And then it's even evolved in the last few years, as I understand it, into be being like comedy clubs at sea that the, the laugh factory or improv or whoever books the, the, the mainstream clubs around the country, they run these comedy clubs on the ships. And I think it would be, oh. I think it would be it'd be right with the I am comic brand to do that. Yeah, no, I think that would be great because um, I've heard Doug talk about the uh, the Weezer cruise every year, and I I, I think he does the three eleven cruise as well. Um, I didn't realize he did those. Yeah, he's usually. I mean, he doesn't do he'll he'll do a couple of hours, but he's there for the cruise really. Um, at least if you listen to Douglas movies, that's how he sells it. Um, he's a fan of both Weezer and three eleven and. 311 is obviously also very much known for their uh, their love of marijuana. So, um, yeah, I think that would be great um, to see that take on it and what it's like. Because that's another – I think um, for potential stand-up comedians out there, these documentaries are kind of a great look into the world they're trying to break into, you know, and what it will actually be like. Because um, the guy that you brought with you from Utah on uh, I Am Road Comic um, – Oh, young Seth Milstein. Yes. 
Um, of course. What you know, because he was that was his first road. Like he iterates it, and you even caption it at one point. Um, that you know, this is his first like trip for stand up, like where he's actually not home afterwards. And I think that's um, it was a really eye opening kind of revelation because you know, I was like, I mentioned some at some point that I was a musician. I was a local musician. You know, we played the bars in our local areas when we'd come home at the end of the show. You know, we never really went on the road, and that that was always a, a fear for me. It was like, you know, because you have to give up stuff to leave. You have to have money or you have to give up money. You have to have a place to keep your stuff if you don't have the money coming in to pay for your apartment. So I never went past my comfort zone with it. And that's, I think that was, you kind of witnessed him stepping outside of his comfort zone with it in that documentary. Right, right. And I think if you're out there wanting to be a stand-up comedian, these documentaries give you a, a look at the lifestyle and what it's, you know, it's not, the glamorous lights and of the stage that you see on the specials. There's stuff behind the scenes that maybe you're unaware of or naive to that. The documentaries really highlight. Oh, amen. I can't say anything, but yes. And that works perfectly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I was, while you were talking about the cruise, I was thinking too, like I am Vegas comic could be interesting. Cause like getting the residencies at Vegas where you're just, there for a month at a time instead of going on the road but you you have that um every night you're doing a set at the vegas Ooh, that's trip. a good one yeah it, that's it, a good one because not only there's that like carrot top and kathy griffin have yeah. residencies but then you have uh comedians because it's not like a show showcase situation in la there are comedians that work and they get paid not a lot but you're a working comedian because there's tourists that come and go and they need opening acts and there's little clubs that are out of the way. And yeah, it's a great place to get stage time and money. So another, another look in the industry. So you got, you got two potential ones right there, Jordan. Um, I would love to see both because I, as I said, I'm, <laughs> I've been a big stand up fan for a long time and I, I really found the, the documentaries. Um, it was, some of it was stuff that I had, I, I wanted to be a stand up. I just, I don't, I always get really nervous. Um, I, I booked one open mic and I invited everybody I knew because um, like the open, we don't have like a real open mic setup down here. So you like you, you have to book and commit to bringing like 10 people or something like that for them to even book you. Um, and I invited like my friends and as I was getting ready to like go to the open mic, I realized my friends had heard everything I was going to say and none of them would laugh at a single word that was coming out of my mouth. And I, I like choked before I even got there. And oh never my goodness! Did it. So I I convinced myself like you know what maybe maybe not yet and I've not I've never tried again. Uh, that was I booked it one time about maybe four years ago and was like eh, you know I'm just gonna keep it to the I'll talk on podcasts and I'll tell my jokes to my students who tend to laugh at the things I say. So, <laughs> but um, I, the documentaries I think are great, especially for stand up fans and people just interested in in well made documentaries because that's I like docs that really showcase what. Um, like careers and what people do. Um, I don't know. Like I saw a wiener last year um, and I thought that was like really eye opening. Oh, I haven't the... seen that. Oh man. With... It's, it's it... so hard to like, it, you're as uncomfortable as he has to be during the film. <laughs> like there's no way. Cause at one point the filmmaker who the whole time it's the fly on the wall style of documentary, he looks at wiener and is just like, why are you letting me film this? And wiener just shrugs. Oh, right. Like it's so crazy. Well, there's a there's a great scene in the first uh, film that introduced us to Michael Moore, 
uh, Roger and me. Mm-hmm. And the woman is, I guess she's out of work. So to make money, she sells rabbit meat and rabbit fur. Oh, so she raises rabbits and she's skinning a rabbit in her backyard. Oh, man. And the camera's there and Michael Moore's there. And she goes, I'm not really supposed to be doing this. <laughs> and, it, oh. and, it, and it's just, it's classic. Oh, man. <laughs> that actually um last year and i don't i don't mean to talk about myself at all but uh please it's your podcast well two years ago doug benson watched um 365 movies in a year that was his goal um i remember and i as that year was coming to an end i was like i want to do something crazy and i'm gonna i'm gonna watch the the 2016 was a leap year so i'm like i'm gonna watch 366 movies but I'm going to write a review for every single one of the movies that I'm going to do. And I didn't know when I decided to do this that Doug was going to put that challenge out to his listeners also. So I'm not the only person who watched 366 movies in 2016. I think right, I'm the I've only... seen the hashtag. I've seen yeah, people tweet. Yeah. But I'm hoping that I was the only one who wrote a review for all of them. And actually, I ended up watching 384 movies last year. Um, Holy heck. Yeah, I set out to, uh, because I teach film, I wanted to expand my taste, and so I, I pushed myself to watch stuff that maybe I'd avoided before, or you know, certain genres that I'd skipped. Like, I had a, I have a huge gap with foreign films. Um, I avoided subtitle films for a long time, so I pushed myself to watch more of those last year, and um, documentaries was an area that I, I was weak in. Um, I had seen some, I'd seen some of the big ones, but I'd skipped many, and I so I really pushed to watch more documentaries last year and um that's just kind of carried over into this year i'm not watching one a day this year but i'm still watching as many movies as i can i've kind of stopped watching television and i, f- I primarily focus on if i'm watching something it's going to be a film rather just because there's so many and i'm so i still feel like i've barely scratched the surface of the great films that exist and that's just the ones that i've heard of not even counting the ones that i've not heard the name of and that's um I really like that's one of the things I love about doing this podcast, the top five podcast, is that we get to talk about the movies that we've seen and hope to uh, reach them out to other audiences and, and make people aware of things that maybe they've never heard before. And hopefully we'll you know give a chance because we've recommended them. Well, I got to tell you, that's uh, add this to your list. Jane about Jane Goodall. She, you know, lady that live with the monkeys. Uh-huh. They're actually chimps, but I say monkeys. And it, because <laughs> Her her first, I guess her only husband, but a man she ended up marrying was assigned by National Geographic to go film her as she made her studies with these chimps. And he was one of the great cinematographers, nature photographers and and directors of all time. And they found his footage from the late 50s, early 60s. And the film is it's her in Africa with these monkeys and in the Serengeti, when they did another study, intercut with her narration from her book today. And she's a beautiful young woman in the in this archival footage. But the fact that she's like interacting and living with another species yeah. of mammal, right, of a, a primate, and that it was documented, and that the love story was there, like she fell in love with the guy. It's just remarkable on so many levels, and it's a Man. well-constructed film. Like there is an inciting incident, there's a there's a conflict, there's a an act three, and it's all real. It all really happened. So I I encourage you to put Jane. And it just opened the other day. My wife and I went. Oh, 
That's that's great. Yeah, definitely on my list. Um, I didn't realize it had just opened. That's uh, that's one of the downsides of living in Florida. We don't get a whole lot of opportunity uh, to see documentaries um, in the on the big screen at least. Um, we do have a, a annual film festival, the Florida Film Festival, that's really great, high caliber, but still doesn't get all the big movies, but gets some. And then we have a, a, a nice little art house theater in Orlando, Florida called the Enzian um, that puts on that film festival I just mentioned. So double props to them. But uh, they're, they're our closest luck to getting um, anything that resembles a documentary on the big screen. Otherwise, I'm waiting till either Netflix or, or it's on VOD usually. Um, I got lucky when Wiener was out in theaters. I was in Boston for a, a teacher conference and I walked a good 30 minutes out of my way to go see it because I was like, Hey, I, when am I going to get the chance to see this in Florida? But, um, you know, that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm hoping to try to expand that. But most of our theaters here are the big chains. You know, we, we have the AMCs and the Regals, but that's, that's about it. Yeah. I mean, it, I like going to the movie theater. I like sitting alone or if I can talk my wife into going anytime, I love seeing movies with her. But if, if it's if there's a a slow day and I can sneak in that matinee mm-hmm. and come back and finish the work I have to do, I love it. I mean, it's just whether even if it's an empty theater, you kind of bond with the people without even yeah. talking to them. You kind of bond over that experience. And then it Jane the other night, the whole the whole crowd started applauding uh, afterwards. That's there's nothing better um, than a great movie theater experience. I have. Unfortunately, more bad ones, I think, than great ones. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a numbers game, baby. It that's is. A numbers it game. is. Uh, but I, you know, I, as a film teacher, I we watch a lot of movies in class as well, and I, um, I've instituted a uh, movie etiquette program where they learn the proper way to watch a film, like with other people. You know, no talking, be courteous, that kind of thing. Um, hope I'm hoping that it, you know they'll teach their family, and then their families will go to the movie theater and they'll shush people who aren't doing it right. I'm hoping to change the culture so that uh, people will come back to the theater. Cause that is, um, I, I like going to the movies. That is my favorite thing. Um, my wife knows if she's, she goes, what do you want to do? The answer will be go to the movies. That's like my sure, one. Go to the movies. Yeah. That's let's go to the movies. Um, and, and eat sushi and eat dude. That's what, that's on mine. My wife knows she doesn't even, she's like, you want to go out to eat? And I, my eyes light up. <laughs> Now, does your wife like sushi? Of course, but not like every day. Like no, I yeah, yeah. I I am a huge sushi fan. I've luckily my daughter is uh, has become a sushi fan. Um, my daughter's thirteen, uh, about to enter my high school next year, actually, and because um, my wife hates it, like she won't even touch it. Um, usually, we I look out in some of the places that will have something she'll order. Like there's a sushi place here that has a teriyaki hamburger. My wife loves it. Um, oh. But yeah, that's that's my only way to like get her to a sushi place. But my daughter and I were sushi buddies, so we we'll make that uh, that trip together instead. But um, yeah, that's it works though. My wife my wife's very kind about that. She knows that I, we like sushi, and she'll she'll sacrifice once in a while and and eat the uh, either fried rice or if we're at the one restaurant, she'll get the teriyaki burger, which she does like a lot. But it is weird to go to a sushi place and have my wife order a hamburger. But, but there, yeah. It is. What's it? Come on now, that's. <laughs> I don't know that that should be allowed. <laughs> it it shouldn't be allowed, but you know it's it's Florida sushi, so I I take what we can get. But um, that that's a perfect lead into our our change in topic. We're gonna focus on movies now from this point forward. Yeah. And um, Jordan, I'd like to know uh, what's the first movie you remember watching? 
the I I first remember going to uh, the drive-in theater in this small town of Mount Vernon, Ohio, where I grew up, and I'll never forget Deliverance because okay. if you if you know the movie, there's some nasty parts where. Yes. Basically, they're going to man rape, uh, I think it's Ned Beatty. And I remember my dad and mom looking at each other and my mom going, we're going to go get popcorn. And oh. you would get out of the car and walk to the concession stand. And she would, I would look back and she was like, can't look back, can't look back. And so <laughs> I, that, I remember that as a young person. But the first movie movie that I remember going to was uh, like Three Stooges movies in and chitty chitty bang bang and, nice. and kids movies like that when i at my that same small town had a had one theater with one screen and the monsters had a movie if you remember the tv show yeah. the monsters yeah definitely and that was in reruns when i was a kid and i'm an old guy <laughs> so uh man okay yeah um yeah, like the drive-in thing I, I that was we took our daughter we have a drive-in still here um in our county uh, called Silver Moon Drive-In, and it's it's been around for a long time, and it's still hanging in there. Um, still the cheapest way to see a movie in the area. It's like four bucks for a double feature. You know, you can't really beat that. Um, but they have it's still kind of the same thing. You know, you walk up to the concession stand, uh, and that was where we always took our daughter because we we're considerate. So we figured when she was super young, we would take her to see whatever the kid movie was, which would be the first film. And that second one, and that that always worked out really well. Did not take her to see Deliverance, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, that I is don't the think theme. they knew at the time. Yeah, well, you know, that's I don't the think theme. my parents knew, you know. We usually have one more uh, person on the show. Michael Sanchez is our, our third that we usually have, and he wasn't able to be here today. Um, but uh, Mike's, Mike's a little older than me. Um, he's also a teacher. He teaches history, though. Um, but uh, we both have, like, some movies that we've seen when we were, like, we say we're way too young. Um, you know, like I remember watching The Fly, David Cronenberg's The Fly with my mom in the theater. Oh, wow. I was yeah. way too young. Like I, she brought a pillow, uh, I guess, hoping that I would fall asleep, which I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But like, you know, that was like 86. I'm, I'm four years old when I'm seeing that movie. Way too young to see The Fly. And that was kind of a regular thing with my mom. Um, we just she just let me watch whatever. And then we try to explain, you know, it's it's not real or whatever. But I don't know how much that messed me up. We'll find out, I guess, at some point. But <laughs> so, I, my parents didn't even have that conversation with me, though. That it's not real. I oh, think okay. they just hoped for the best. Just hoped. And yeah. you said, oh, you figure that out." Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, you'll get it when there's no fly man. You'll be all right. Yeah. Um, with that, uh, Jordan, is there a movie character that you would most like to be? Uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman. Uh, Jordan, okay. That, that hits as, so close to me. <laughs> as as brought to life by uh, Christian Bale. I mean, I just I love all three of those movies. Uh, I love pr pretty much every Christopher Christopher Nolan movie, but but just the way he played that character throughout the, the that trilogy. Oh, I, and he, you know he's cool. He's 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 not as uh, like the Ben Affleck Batman is more comic book to me yeah and i can't see myself but uh like that but i love even bruce wayne in those movies in the the nolan films i think he was the best at being both um because like i love michael keaton's batman but i don't know his bruce wayne never felt right to me and then like val kilmer was not 
the greatest, and I don't even want to talk about George Clooney, but yeah, the um, Clooney one was a that was a, a fluke, that yeah, was an anomaly. It really. But I was. thought Val made. I thought Val Kilmer made a, an excellent Bruce Wayne. I agree, actually. I would say of the of the two characters that you're playing as Batman, I think he was a better Bruce Wayne. Um, and I, I'm a I'm sitting in a room right now full of Batman memorabilia. I'm a I'm a bit of a Batman freak. Um, I love Batman. Boy. So uh, you couldn't have picked a better character, uh, one that I definitely relate to. Um, I relate to. Yes, I am like Batman. I fight crime. At night. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I'm yeah. I'm a billionaire, a uh, billionaire teacher. Yeah. You know, one of those weird things. Um, but yeah, that's that's great. Uh, and I we're also all um, everyone on the podcast. We're big Nolan fans, which is not always a popular opinion in the film community. A lot of people like to bash on Nolan, um, but I I just man like I, Dunkirk this summer was oh. like. So bad. Felt yeah. like being in the war to me. I've I've not been in the war, but it, I walked out feeling like I had just been through Super one. On it. Well, I I gotta tell you, I mean, I I saw my first narrative feature film was a mockumentary, and I love mockumentaries, and and could could make my own top five list of mockumentaries. And mm. Christopher Nolan was there that year with the following. Oh, I and I remember, and I went to that screening in the middle of the day and listened to his Q and A and met him afterwards what? where like the filmmakers are hanging out. Yeah. I mean, this is like 1999 or mm-hmm. 2000. It's all kind of a blur, but you knew like, Oh, this guy has talent. He has oh, a yeah. vision for things. And interesting. Um, I just watched the following last year for the first time. And, um, the guy's door has a Batman sticker on it in the movie. No way. Yeah. And I was like, man, did he foretell that he was going to direct Batman in the following? Wow. Um, yeah, it's not great. I mean, it's not, it's not like a masterpiece, but no, the story behind it and the way he crafted it on, you know, working at a blood bank or whatever he did. And he, he used short ends. He shot every weekend and pieced it together, but he made the story and then memento kind of blew everyone away. Yeah. Big time. Because of the, what is now commonplace, yeah. the time jumping. Yeah, the nonlinear storytelling, which I mean, especially the way he does it, because um, it's not like because Tarantino did nonlinear with Pulp Fiction, and it had been done before that. Right. But um, Memento definitely changes how it was done. But yeah, it's been done uh, a, a few times now. Um, I really did find uh, Memento exhilarating the first time I watched it, and same thing. I loved Interstellar. Big fan of um, most of his movies, actually. So um, nice hearing that. Uh, that Batman did not go missing on on your on your uh, your thoughts when you thought movie character. Um, what movie have you seen the most in the theater? Like actually going to the the cinema to see a movie. Like some people have. We have a friend. In fact, t- talking about Christopher Nolan, Corey and I have a mutual <laughs> friend who s- went to see Interstellar twelve times in the theater, and most of those were IMAX. So he he spent quite a bit of money. <laughs> wow. on that yeah. film. So I'm curious. Uh, what what film have you seen the most, and like how many times do you think? Well, you know, I saw I want to say I saw Contact uh, a couple of times in the theater. And now you have to know that I am uh, I'm in the Directors Guild of America, the DGA. So I get in fact, the um, one of the movies just came the other day about the the cart, the giant cartoon pig, Okra, Oprah, Uh, Okja, Okja. So I haven't seen it yet. But there's one that I know, like, I'm not going to see it in the theater, even though it's beautiful. Um, but the movie that I've seen in the theater the most, is this kind of a cheat <laughs> on your, on your question? Okay. But Steven Soderbergh's out of sight. Oh, do you remember that from the I do. Uh, George Clooney, right? From the, 
George Clooney, Steve Zahn was a crazy guy. Oh, I, I want to say Isaiah Washington might have been in it. Okay. It's, this oh, one's on my it's on my gap list. Uh, it's one I'm very much aware of and I have not seen. Um, J Lo. <clears throat> ah, that's the one with J Lo. With J Lo, yeah, J Lo and uh, Dennis Farina. Oh man, I believe plays her dad. It's a great cast and it's sexy and it's funny and it's a love story and an anti-hero. You know the the J Lo is the cop and George Clooney. It's before George Clooney would overact with his eyebrows. Like I feel like now he's he's in, he's in the uh, space movie with uh, uh, little Sandy Bullock and he's Grand looking at her going, Grandy. you know I'm you know I'm George Clooney in a spacesuit. <laughs> and he does his eyebrows up and down. So it was, it was pre all that, and it's just the way it's shot. It's intimate. Like a lot of long lens stuff, but yet the comedy plays, so it's not shot like a like a studio comedy. And at the time, I was tr- I was attached to a movie, you know, Development Hell, right? They call it. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get Steve Zahn as the lead. Oh, and he had a lot of heat then, and he, but he wasn't quite known by all the executives. So we would screen out of sight. Ah, and okay. they, like you like this is bef- this is pre DVD. This is like uh, early two thousands, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, because I think the movie was like ninety six, ninety seven. But I watched that movie so many times because instead of leaving the room and coming back at the end to talk about him, the executives want to screen it because he was in this big movie with Clooney, and uh, I would just sit and watch it. I just loved the performances. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes. I was wondering where it was the cheat. Now that that is clear. That's the cheat. Yep. I didn't pay. <laughs> I didn't pay every time to that, see it. Well, I think uh, that still counts. Um, yeah. For sure. Uh, and I am. I was. I became a Steve Zahn fan from that thing you do, um, which is uh, one of my faves <sighs> still. Um, yeah. And he's so great in that. Like he cracks me up, like throughout that movie. Um, like what? So we'll we'll move on to. Um, what makes you pick to watch a movie? Like when, you, especially when you're a busy man, you're working all the time. Um, what What does a movie have to do for you to to commit to going to see it? It's not the budget. It's not the star. It uh, there are certain directors that I want to see their work, hmm. and like I would pay money to see anything Christopher Guest does. Okay. Right, I loved from Best in Show to Waiting for, Waiting for Guffman and all the stuff he's done since. I just love his movies, but really, I think it's it comes down to the story. And like, if I'm not interested in the story, it could be the like con- true confession here. I have not seen La La Land. Oh, because because I I I don't ha- I don't really like musicals. And I caught I've caught bits of it here and there on, you know, it's, the kids were watching it on, mm-hmm. and we have it on DVD or uh, the other night it was on some channel. And I just, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that a is that a wrong thing to say? Uh, no, I mean it's it was my we favorite have movie. Opinions. It was my favorite movie from last year, um, and I I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan. Not not solely from that film, but that film just kind of cemented him. As like that, and then now Blade Runner twenty forty nine from this year, which I loved. Um, so good. 
Uh, I haven't I haven't seen it yet because my wife and I promised each other mm. we would watch the original first and then go see it and we haven't had the time. But oh, yeah. if you talk about Lars and the Real Girl, Great movie. I will I, I will say that is one of my favorite movies and I I mean I've seen that one a bunch of times too. But that's he he carries that film in a way that some people would have made it peter out after twenty minutes. Yep, definitely. Uh, the premise, when I heard the, what the premise of that movie was, I was, like, really skeptical going in and then was blown away when that movie ended. Um, and I, See, I feel like La La Land, because um, going with story, story is also, I think, why I watch most of the movies that I pick. Um, I really think La La Land's story is compelling, although a lot of people were not happy with how it ends. But um, I found it, you know, kind of cynically realistic and i that's kind of how i view the world so I, I don't know i'm not usually a musical person either um my wife loves greece and actually she loves greece too more and i can't stand either one of them and i've had to watch them so many times um because she loves ah. them and um i i'm generally skeptical of musicals um i do have some that i lo- like i love singing in the rain and i love la la land those two just happen to work really well for me um, so I, I'd say watch it, give it, a, give it a go, because it's not, it's not that bad. Um, but I totally get because I've skipped many films with that same like, well, I don't like musicals. Um, but um, is there currently a movie uh, that doesn't have a sequel that you wish did? Ooh, that doesn't have a sequel, but I wish did. You know. Um. I just saw the sequel to The Kingsman. Ah, yes. Which is so silly, but the action is so great, and it's so tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. I was happy with the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel, so I can't say that one. Uh, wow, no, I can't I can't think of anything where I want to... I'm not you, typically a huge sequel fan. That, and that was going to be like, my I like one. I like one and done. I, I just had this uh, debate with my students because uh, that's a common thing with uh, especially younger audiences. They always want more. They're like, oh, I, like we watched Juno in class. That was the first movie I showed oh, my new yeah. kids this year. And um, that was like, well, I want to know what happens. I'm like, why? They're like, well, do they get married? I'm like, does it does it matter? Is that what this story was telling you? Like, it, you don't have to know all the details about what happens. You, This is the story, this moment in her life. And so... I've been advocating that. Like, I'm not opposed to a sequel if it's done right, but most of the time sequels are disappointing. Uh, like, you just listed two that were not bad. Like, Guardians is great. Guardians Volume 2 was really great. But Kingsman, the action's great. The story's a little over the top. And it was kind of it was kind of dark because it felt a little too close to home right now with the political climate being what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, granted, it's it's... It's not a dark movie, although it is, because, like, the first film was dark. Like, a millionaire was bringing all the other billionaires so they could restart the Earth Noah-style. It's pretty dark, but it, at right, the but time... but it's funny. It was, yeah, at the time... Samuel it, Jackson was like a Russell Simmons spoof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny, too. Like, oh, man. That, that, there's, and it's even... They treat it silly at times, where this, this film was... It was darker, I think, in tone than uh, the first one. But um, well, they, it's martial arts sequels like uh, in trying to cull my list for the show today. I want the listener to know I don't just show up. I do a little research <laughs> and uh, because I care and I'm I'm looking at some of my favorite movies. And there's a there's a uh, 
a film out of Thailand called Ungbok. Ah, uh, yes. And Ungbok with Tony Jaa. Tony Jaa is like Thailand's answer to the resurrection of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And the action and the filmmaking, like Robot Chicken has spoofed Ungbok because they do one fluid steady cam move up the stair up like seven flights of a spiral staircase and the and it's tony jaw just kicking the shit out of everybody with no edits whatsoever it's like a, it must be a five six minute scene and people have talked about it and referenced it and spoofed it and whatever and then umbach 2 comes out and you think oh my gosh this is going to be great and it's just kind of more of the same yeah. and it's a sillier plot same with any of the movies with old people in them, like The Expendables. Like Ugh. it's novel the first time, and then you're just beating a dead horse. Or uh, in the martial arts theme, The Raid. Do you ever see The Raid? Yeah, I've seen The Raid. I love The Raid. Um, I still have Although The, the Raid too. The yeah. Raid too is pretty good. The I've Raid heard good things. Good. Yeah, but yeah. still, it's like okay, we get at least with the Raid sequel, it's uh, it's di- it's a little bit different. It's the same guy, but it's a totally different storyline. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost like yeah. a separate anthology type film, right? Like as far as the story follows. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> All right. Well, I think we will move uh, into your top five that you just referenced. That you said you did some research on. So I'm excited to hear what made it to your five movies. So listeners. Jordan's going to go. It it definitely is. It's never (laughs) easy to narrow down all the films to just five. Um, We do this every week with a different topic. Um, Like last week, we did top five uh, Halloween movies, and um, it it was basically any movie that had a Halloween scene in it. And Corey had the best pick, which was Jeremy Saulnier's Murder Party. And yeah, we're real big fans of Jeremy Saulnier and uh, Macon Blair. And um, I was so mad at myself because I it didn't even I didn't even think about that movie when I was doing my list. And so I'm so proud. Yeah, still. still, I hope we're still talking about this <laughs> next October. I really we will be. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I, it's a perennial theme that we will bring up every Halloween. I usually just get picked on, though. <laughs> but they're like, I'm so mad. I was like, yes. Well, see, Mike, ha- Mike uh, has more eclectic taste and has seen. Stuff that we've never heard of, so that's become and, yeah. an ongoing kind of theme on the episodes. Is he, him educating Corey and I on movies that we didn't know existed, and then I'm I tend to be a little more mainstream with my picks, and then Corey's picks are often in the same way. We I think we're a little more on the surface of film. I'm diving deeper at this point though, so my movies are starting to get a little more eclectic. But that pull for Murder Party was was spot on, but. Each week is a, a kind of like last minute stress. Like I was still changing my list ten minutes before we were recording the episode, and I'd had my list made for a few days, and I was still like, "Well, I don't know if I want this one on the list. Maybe I'll do this one instead." So, can't imagine pulling from all movies to just five. Uh, definitely has to be a challenge. So, uh, the way this is going to work, listeners, is Jordan's going to go from his uh, number five to his number one. Tell us what it is, and we'll kind of talk. Hopefully, we've seen some of these, so we have some insight to add. If not. We're going to be looking here pretty silly, but we'll see what happens. Um, so, Jordan, why don't you go ahead and tell us your number five top movie? Well, can I say this? First of all, thank mm-hmm. you for having me on the show again. It's really a treat. And uh, and I, having read your reviews other than just my films, yes. uh, I, know that you, I know that you have good taste. Well, thank you, sir. And I appreciate that, too. You have been um, one of my more active Twitter followers, and I am grateful every single time I get the little notification that Jordan Brady liked my tweet or retweeted something that I did. 
Um, and even uh, when I, I followed you after hearing you on Douglas movies um, and you followed me back, I was very like, okay, hold on. <laughs> what just well, happened? They, to, to me, that's part of the, that's the beauty of, of social media is that you can, you can interact. I mean, I had yeah. a, a, a Facebook conversation with, with uh, this Air Force, retired Air Force guy who bought I Am Comic for his friends after he had seen it. And he was asking me questions and we were going back and forth. And, you know, if I ever make it to his town, I'm sure I'll, I'll you know, have a coffee. Like, th- that's part of the fun of, of making movies and podcasting and just being on social media in 2018. Yeah, I I completely agree, and that's um you know I started. It's a community. It is, and it you know hopefully it's always a positive community. So far, I've had a lot more positive experiences than negative, and so it's been it's been pretty great. Um, and so yeah, thank you for doing the podcast. It, it was, uh, I was I will admit I was nervous asking. I was like, he's probably gonna say no, but I feel like I gotta ask, and uh, I couldn't be more grateful um, for you doing it and. I, I've had a great time, even though we're not quite done. I've had a great time uh, getting to talk to you. It's been awesome. Oh, likewise. Well, I uh, I, I went through. Let me just rattle off some honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. And 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 now most of my top five are not as current, and then some were so good they knocked themselves out because they're in a category all their all their own. So I will not be mentioning the entire Star Wars saga because I love them all. I, and that's its own that's its own category of putting them in their top order, the machete order. Like I've done it all. Oh, I've yeah. had parties with my kids where we watch like seven in a night. Oh, it's man. crazy. Yeah, okay? we. So I'm did, not going to mention that. Perfect. Uh, when when Force Awakens was coming out, I did a whole uh, unit for my class on Star Wars when we did the uh, the machete cut where we watched. New Hope, Empire, and then did the prequels, and then ended with Return of the Jedi right before Force Awakens came out. And oh, then, that's a great thing for your students. Yeah, and then we went. Uh, many of my students and I we met up at our local theater, and we went and saw Force Awakens on opening night, and it was we were all and really I happy. Hope, I hope you flirted with Kurosawa in the class. Um, you know, I I have not mainly. Um, it's I've mentioned him and I've shown clips and definitely note the uh the inspiration of Hidden Fortress to a New Hope. Um, but I have not shown it to them. That is hoping I'm hoping to remedy that this year. Uh, my my students, I'm I'm constantly fighting uh their black and white bigotry. Um, if a film is black and white, they're often they turn it off mentally immediately. Um, I made a mistake of showing Citizen Kane to my first year class last year when I wasn't <laughs> in class. Uh, I, I had a dental surgery, and I was like, all right, guys, I, I'm going to go ahead and keep going with my lesson plan as accordingly. And I came back, and they hated me uh, for a week. Um, and oh. I'm just like, guys, you're oh. wrong. You're so wrong. And they're like, no, it was boring. I'm like, listen, there's context that I clearly didn't give you, so let's let's look back at this movie. But nonetheless, that, that's something that I'm hoping to uh, – my senior class, um, I think I've remedied. We watched Hitchcock, like, religiously last year, and I think I've got them – where they're they're more open to uh, black and white films, so I'm hoping a four hour Seven Samurai will not push them away. <laughs> oh, rear, like, rear window, <laughs> Seven Samurai. Well, and maybe your students are too young because my kids are older now. But I made them watch uh, Seven Samurai at an art house theater oh, when they were like seven or eight before we or right after we saw Magnet. A Bug's Life. Oh, because. A Bug's Life oh, is man. essentially 
Yeah. Seven Samurai. It's the same story. That's true. I never even thought about that. That is totally what Bugs Life is with a scary, scarier lead. Because if I'm not mistaken, James Wood is the villain in that. And yes. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but that man. So honorable honorable mentions would be, and and they have they have context in my life, like the jerk with Steve Martin uh, okay. by Carl Reiner was a favorite mm-hmm. because because I love Steve Martin and I became a comedian because of Steve Martin. And just oh, wow. the silly, the silliness of that era. So, in the silly honorable mentions, we have "History of the World" by Mel Brooks. Oh yeah, right, yeah. And and then in the uh, in the just the random foreign film, an honorable mention shout out to "In Bruges." Oh, you know that one? I do. I am yes, huge Colin, Colin Farrell, Farrell fan. Yeah, it was written and directed by Martin McDonough. <laughs> Who's got three billboards outside Ebbing, uh, Missouri? I think is coming out his new movie, um, and I'm very. I excited can't wait about for that, that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like uh, it's just such a, a wonderful, funny oh. comedy. Shaun of the Dead would go into that category, and uh, Scott Pilgrim saves the world. I can oh. do a whole thing on Edgar Wright because yep. he's such a brilliant filmmaker with such a defined point of view yeah big time i scott pilgrim is my number one all-time movie um i i am a huge fan of that film and everything about it um it it just hits on all of like i'm as i said i'm a former musician i'm a comic book lover i'm a nerd you know video gamer so everything that i love is in that movie and then martial arts so it's, it's just it's perfect for me i love it there is a, an old foreign film from the late 90s called Ma Vie en Rose, which was before the word transgender was out. Mm. There was a little little boy who uh, would he'd go into these fantasies of, of being the girl and he would dress up and the family accepted him and loved him, more oh, the dad even more than the mom. And that was a movie that taught me how you could wow. escape into these fantasies. And it's a little, I mean, I saw it in the theater here in LA. So I don't, I mean, this was years and years ago, but that was an honorable mention. So the Jordan Brady top five movies. And if you ask me in a week, I'm sure it'd be different. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, yes. and again, some of them are, are older because they've stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. So number five, Romeo and Juliet by Boz Lerman. Ah, okay. Wow, oh, that's uh, Romeo plus that Juliet, right? With Leonardo DiCaprio. With Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, oh, I mean, it was just who was it? Uh, not Kate Winslet, was it? Uh, no, um, Claire Danes is Juliet. Same thing, Claire yeah. Danes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Claire Danes, and and just the way he kept our attention and modernized, like it paved the way for Sofia Coppola's. Um, Marie Antoinette movie mm, mm-hmm. that just mixing mixing the different it was a world all its own that he created it was and I love and I um, love that I, I actually used to teach before I taught film I taught English and so we would read Romeo and Juliet for ninth grade English and then we would watch this movie um, and I love uh, Harold Paranu who is Mercutio in that film that easily oh, yeah. the, the out like just the best performance in my opinion I loved him so Absolutely. much in that role um, I, I am a Claire Danes hater, though, particularly oh. her crying scene at the end of that movie um, has I've made fun of so many times. and I don't mean to, but I just I, I it 
to me is a, a prime example of bad on-screen crying because she kind of sounds like goofy laughing like it's kind of like <laughs> and i've never been able to let it go but Corey's a huge fan of her and this movie so i am i um yeah um i loved i love so much how he works the soundtracks in all of his films mm, absolutely I think that that is just done perfectly. And also Paul Rudd is in this. It just has a great cast all around. Paul, and I, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's yeah. barely in it. But John Leguizamo, Paris. yeah. John Leguizamo is brilliant in it, too. He is. Corey, you have impeccable taste. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I did put my Murder Party as my number one Halloween That's movie. right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm That's just right. kidding. Unlike Mike and myself, who completely forgot about Murder Party. <laughs> no. This is my favorite of Boslerman's films, though. Okay, number four. This is a really obscure one. It's a Belgian black Ooh. comedy crime mockumentary. Wow. Oh, lots of hyphens. <laughs> called Man Bites Dog. Man Bites and it's, Dog. So, you know, in the Spinal Tap, Christopher Guest vein of mockumentaries, this came out in the early 90s, and it's about a charismatic serial killer. And and his hubris and his just his ego is so infectious and we the audience we end up liking this oh wow evil man and we follow him the the documentary crew with their shoestring budget follows the uh the charismatic killer and and the fact that it took you know a sadist and made him a hero i thought was very clever and accomplished by the filmmakers so that's my wow. That's that's number four for me. Just okay. That one's immediately added to my uh, my watch list. That sounds super compelling. Um, I I am I want to be a bigger Christopher Guest fan than I feel like I am. I've missed a lot of his movies, um, but I I love Spinal Tap and I I actually I really enjoy Taika Waititi's um, What We Do in the Shadows. Um, have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's uh, the it's kind of it feels like a MTV show, like reality show, but it's the premise is uh, you're we're following four vampires who live in a flat together in New Zealand, and them going about their lives. So it's as if vampires exist in our world, but people are oh, apparently oblivious. It's super funny. The real world. Yeah, it's very much like the real world. And it, in fact, uh, Taika Waititi is directing um, Thor Ragnarok, which comes out this coming week, and. Uh, he's been doing interviews all over the place, and uh, they're talking about doing a what what we do in the shadows TV series, which kind of would make sense because it was very episodic feeling in the mockumentary. So it'd be great as a TV series. But um, just you know, since you are a fan of mockumentaries, I thought I'd bring that up. Um, oh, I've got it right. I'm jotting that down. All right. Well, let's uh, number three for you. Okay, number three. Change the way that I look at film weaning myself off Mel Brooks and the jerk and, and that old school silly humor. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget sitting in a theater in Lincoln center in New York, you know, out, across the street from Lincoln center. There was this indie theater in Manhattan and I was living there at the time and, and uh, by myself. And I, I went back three times and saw this movie. And when I took uh, my, my wife joined me, my first wife joined me in New York we were living separate for a while. That's another podcast. And I said, you have to see this movie and get your friends. And here we go. And they fell asleep. They oh. were so bored by it. Oh no. Yeah. But I, it's my number, uh, three. And it, it is the movie blue or blue from three colors blue. Oh, 
by Polish oh. filmmaker Krzysztof Kozlowski. And it's part of a it's part of a trilogy of films, mm-hmm. red, white and blue, not in that order. I guess it would be the French flag because they're, they're in French. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was blue, then white, then red. So one, it inspired me that to make I Am Battle Comic available at IamBattleComic.com, like to make a trilogy, to complete a trilogy of uh-huh. films all with one theme. OK. Yeah. And Kozlowski, I hope I say his name right, because I've been saying it for 20 years wrong if I have. But it, Juliette Binoche is in it, mm-hmm. and she. The opening scene is a, a, a horrible automobile accident where her daughter and husband die, and then oh, she spent wondering why she was the one that was spared, and her husband was his composer, and she's haunted to finish the composition and do her own thing, and she meets a lover. It's it's just. It's a beautiful film. They're all, they're all filmed beautifully, and they all have, like a, a this one has, a very much a blue, a, an over the top blue theme visually, and that was very influential as well. Like, wow, look what this filmmaker is doing, with mood and color, and then step back like Nolan in his Batman movies, and you have an overarching theme, which is why Star Wars is, is just yeah. off the charts because of the 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 context and the the mass of work and yes the machete order can i know i'm going all over the place but okay. i know you're with me yeah, yeah. i'm following every you step. know <laughs> the, the machete order the machete order like i say it like rodriguez style right machete, <laughs> machete. the machete order of star wars <laughs> you know you can poke holes here and there but it doesn't really matter nope. the totality of the body of work is what is what you're left with it, you know which which I don't get with the Marvel Universe. I'm impressed by it. Mm-hmm. But it, the, the substance isn't there. So Blue is this really emotional piece. And there's one shot where Juliet Binoche is holding a sugar. It's a close-up of like a sugar cube touching the coffee and soaking up the, the oh, coffee. And, at the, and, and it, I can't explain why that fit where it fit, but it does. You know, so I, it's a great film, and I suggest you. Uh, I don't even know how you would find that. Well, it it came on my radar um, last year. I, I said we watched Hitchcock in my classes, but we were actually doing the auteur theory, and that's why we watched Hitchcock. Um, and then we talked about Tarantino. It's hard to show Tarantino films in a high school, um, although I did squeeze Reservoir Dogs in somehow. And uh, but then we went to school Ed- board. Not happy. Permission slips were signed. Um, yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Edgar Wright is where we we ended with the auteur theory. Kind of, I posed the question to them because he's you know, he's only had at the time four films to watch, and so they had the definition they were supposed to. After we watched them, they were making the decision to either argue he was an auteurist or that he was postmodern. And um, while doing research for it, we came across you know his uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End are called the Cornetto trilogy. And according, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, um, and it's the three flavors Cornetto to be exact, which um, in each film there is a Cornetto ice cream. It's the only thing that completely links them together outside of uh, obviously the same actors. But um, my understanding is the three flavors Cornetto, the name came from the three colors, bl- uh, blue, white, red, from this trilogy. And so I was like, I don't know this trilogy. What is this? And I had to do research on these movies. I have not seen them yet, but it's great uh, hearing such a great recommendation. And your descriptions made me want to really seek these out. So I'm going to have to do some digging to find out how I can see these. 
Um, hopefully, it's on some streaming. I mean, service. Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah. You could you could get a DVD. By the way, Juliet Binoche also in 2014's Clouds of Sils Maria, mm. where she plays like a, an aging movie star, oh. and the uh, the Twilight gal, Kristen Stewart, is in that in uh-huh. one of her best subtle roles. But that is not on my top five. Got it. Not not one of the top five. Um, just since you mentioned Stewart, I just recently watched Personal Shopper. Um, which is set in Paris, actually, so interesting uh, French connection there. Um, but uh, really great movie if you get a chance to check that out, Personal Shopper. Ooh, uh, Personal Shopper. Yeah, drama ghost story starring Kristen Stewart. Very heavily uh, leaning on Kristen Stewart. She's 90% of the film. She's kind of alone, um, and she she's great. I was really impressed. Um, long, long, you know, after Twilight, I think she got a really bad rap from that movie. Um, ah, I was trying to remember. I just saw Julia Binoche in something, and I was trying to remember what it was. And now I realize why I didn't remember because she's in Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson from earlier this year. Oh, right. Yeah, and not 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 such a great movie, unfortunately. But she was good. So with that, let's let's move on to your number two. Number two is going to be the critically acclaimed mm. box office record. Ooh. Debut outing. I'm talking about Get Out. Wow. Wow, that's huge praise. I mean, Jordan Peele. If you watch Key and Peele, and Mm -hmm. I I did commercials with Keegan-Michael Key, one of the nicest, funniest guys. Oh, man. And and Jordan Peele, never met him, right? Doesn't matter. We have the same first name. (laughs) <laughs> this guy wrote and directed like it is such a wonderful director's film. Mm. It takes a genre and much like Edgar Wright takes a genre and flips it on its side. Yep. And the twists and turns of that movie. And I haven't gone back yet because I want a special occasion and I want to go with my kids. But we've all seen it, but separately, ah. you know, my, my so we want to see it together. And I'm sure I'm going to get a you know a DVD from the DGA, so I'm waiting on that one. But just to then go, you know, when you see a, a kind of a who done it or a thriller like this, and you know the answers the second time, so you go, oh look, oh that means you know what that means that's going to happen later. Yep. So I, I just thought Get Out was so well done, and his use of the camera with when the lead character was floating oh. in hypnosis land and the little turns and then it got a little silly at the end it was kind of man with two brains yeah you know like it got a little campy at the end but um uh, but i didn't care it was like you knew he was like okay time to wrap it up let's get this show moved yeah i i saw it twice in the theater actually um and i i love this movie it was fantastic it's one i'm hoping to uh to teach this year in fact um although it, uh, my students tend to not love horror, although I, you know, this is definitely not that type of horror that they're usually talking about. They don't like a lot of them are afraid of like jump scares and that kind of thing. Uh, more than I would have thought, at least. But I, I was really blown away by this movie. Um, I saw Keanu last year with uh, Jordan and, and Keegan Michael Key as the lead. Um, they were not directing, but you know, it was it was kind of what you would expect from if you'd seen Key and Peele. Keanu was right up that alley. You know, a lot of funny moments. And when I heard about Get Out, I was skeptical, you know, because I'm like, what? what is, is it going to oh, yeah, be yeah, silly? Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. And I, I was literally Keanu blown. Keanu, too. Yeah. It could have been Keanu, too. Yeah, it easily could. And 
I enjoyed Keanu. I thought Keanu was very funny, uh, but it was exactly kind of what I was expecting from them. And when I saw the first trailer for Get Out, I was like, I I don't know what to think about yet. And um, I, when it, it even said uh, from Jordan Peele, I'm like, is that is that the same Jordan Peele from? Uh, right. And right. He he came out the gate, turned left, didn't he? He did. Yeah. And he by did. the way, everyone see Keanu today because it's National Cat Day. Today would be a perfect day for Keanu. <laughs> Um, it's super funny. And Keanu Reeves does do the voice at one point, apparently. And that's pretty funny. Um, also great appreciation for George Michael in that movie, but not to digress too far, but Jordan Peele did an interview with, uh, Chris Hardwick on Nerdist podcast that was really, really great. And I, I was really, um, I loved hearing his thoughts on the process and everything. It was, it was really awesome to hear because he is, uh, I think it's a lot of, um, artist fear of being pigeonholed into something and it would have been very easy um, in fact, he talks about why he didn't, uh, why he's not in the movie. He was afraid his face would make people think it's a comedy when he wasn't right. going for that. So, um, I thought it was a really insightful interview. Something if if you're interested in Get Out or uh, in that, I do recommend checking out that episode of Nerdist. Um, oh man, this this gets us to your number one, Jordan. Okay, three <laughs> of the. Three of the people involved with my favorite movie have been mentioned on this episode oh. of your podcast already. Oh. You want to take a guess? Hmm. Let's see. I'm hoping you, you've mentioned Leonardo DiCaprio and you said Kate Winslet instead of, of Claire Dane. So I'm hoping it's not Titanic. <laughs> not Titanic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, uh, Okay. Christian Bale. Oh. Scarlett Johansson. I know exactly what this is. And and Hugh Jackman, directed <gasps> by the the previously praised Christopher Nolan, The Prestige. Oh. Also my with gosh. Michael with Michael Caine. Michael oh, of with course. a good Michael Caine as uh, not really Alfred. <laughs> Why do we fall down, sir? And the prestige is uh, two magicians battling to make this wonderful illusion. I want to say, was it David Bowie played Tesla? Yes. Yep. And and uh, Piper Perabo was wonderful in it. Uh, Andy Serkis makes a, a, yeah. a little cameo. But moreover, it's the story and the reveal that the movie itself has a prestige, that yeah. there's uh, and I don't want to spoil it, even though it's a you know it's almost ten, what a ten year old movie, but yeah. it stands. It was it was pre Batman. It's all Nolan. It's time jumping with a wonderful twist at the end, and it's just like Get Out. If you go back and watch The Prestige a second time, and I've seen that one. If I didn't have to see Out of Sight because I was trying to sell Zon then the prestige would probably be the movie I've seen the most because oh, DVD it came around. It came out when DVDs took over and my kids were into it and we just love it. And, and I, and just, you know, I love magic. I went to the comedy and uh, not the comedy, the magic castle the other night oh. for the second time this year. And I love magic. Even when I know how it's done, I'm my, my mind is blown on the craft of the magician. And so Nolan being a sort of cinematic magician and Hugh Jackman. So here yeah. you have Batman and Wolverine. And Black Widow. Uh, and Black Widow in the same movie. Yep. 
uh, you know, so I I could ramble on about it, man. I just oh. I think and I and I put I, I put I put some time and some googling into this. Going, what was that movie I love? Oh, if I can't remember and I can't <laughs> Google it, it's not not the winner. Yeah, this movie I uh, I had had I own, I've owned this for a long time and I finally watched it last year. It was one of the only Nolan films I hadn't seen that and following. Um, and so I set out to complete the Nolan uh, film verse. Oh, and Insomnia. I hadn't seen Insomnia before last year, and I, I watched all three though. And the Prestige blew me away. I was so surprised, like you said. Um, it just the like, you know, the, it's about the structure of a magic trick, and the movie is the magic trick. Like I loved that element of it so much, and um, the acting, the performances are fantastic. Um, and I actually, I think I watched it after David Bowie had passed away last year so like seeing him oh, in the movie wow. was yeah. even more like oh man here's here's bowie that's crazy um yeah w- what a cool pick and it's funny because when we we talked about nolan extensively none of us said the prestige during that conversation um it was almost as if i you bit had, my tongue yeah i bit my tongue because i knew it was my number one <laughs> and, I, and i wanted this to be a good show with some suspense yeah and i would be i'd be interested uh whether directly or twitter or on the podcast Make your students watch it because Definitely. it it's it's so simple. Like the, the answer is so simple. And being this not only a student of magic since I was a kid, but also in commercials, I do a lot of visual effects. Mm-hmm. And I work with some really talented people. And sometimes it comes down to sleight of hand. Like with all the with all the digital tricks and everything, sometimes we we do like that movie has influenced Toyota commercials I've done. Ah, that's where people are like you wouldn't even you'd see the Toyota commercial and go how is that related to the Prestige and you watch the Prestige and you go oh I see <laughs> and I, I know I'm being very vague because I don't want to spoil the movie for anyone it's such yeah. a fun romp yeah I agree and we usually actually it's funny that you said that because usually when we do the top five list we do a spoiler warning I didn't even think about that this time so I'm glad you didn't spoil it um be, but definitely uh, a film that I I plan on teaching Nolan we ran out of time last year when we were doing the auteur uh, study. I wanted to watch some of Nolan's films and pose that question again. Is he an auteur or is he just, you know, a journeyman filmmaker? Like, where where would he classify? I, I would lean towards auteur because he definitely has a very distinctive style. and, and Oh, voice. for sure. Um, that's, not even, that's not even a good question. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm awful at teaching. So there you, you broke go. broke your streak. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we're all good streak. All good questions until, like, that. You ruined it. It was hypothetical. Um, but, <laughs> We're just messing. With no, it. yeah, no. I I can take it. We we dish it out to Corey all the time in her steel books. Yeah, so, oh. you know. <laughs> I want to say about this movie too is I love it so much, and I saw it originally. I think when it was first released for um, home viewing, and then I hadn't seen it for a while, but I loved it, and I remembered the main, you know the main reveal of the movie. But when I went back and watched it a year or two ago, I had forgotten so many details. Mm. So it's like, all right, you know, I don't know if you don't watch it for a long time, there are so many different things you're not going to see. And then it, so much of it made more sense. And yeah, I don't know. Well, it was even more heartbreaking. And Jordan, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, like with memento, when you watch it the second time, or with Get Out, when you watch it the second time, you kind of seeing how everything's going to play out and like the clues that are there for us, but we overlooked the first time because we didn't know where it was going. The Prestige <laughs> is that like times three because I was oh, yeah. convinced I knew where it was going and I I was right, but I was so locked in on that one idea that I completely neglected to look at the other story that was happening 
and the reveal was it, it that's what really shocked me the most i was like oh my god i was right about this one thing but never even thought about this other thing and we're being ambiguous on purpose people you need to see it if you haven't seen the prestige um it is it is Point great by. and it's jordan's number one movie of currently of all time although list subject to change just to make sure that caveats out there asterisks and listen, I know we, we got to wrap up, but uh, I just want to implore your listeners, one, to like and rate your podcast, because that's what podcasters need. Yes. But but moreover, take advantage of the, of the abundance of content in whatever you want to pursue. Like earlier, we were talking about stand-up comedy on Comedy Central – in the uh, early days mm-hmm. well now it's on youtube like if you yeah. want to be a comedian there's nothing wrong with binging days on end of comedy and then don't copy that person but you'll be influenced and you'll mm-hmm. you can see, you can learn the craft of a joke and yeah. the same thing with movies like it, watching christopher nolan movies is a master class in filmmaking and and given all the behind this i remember early on rodriguez put this filmmaking and cooking lesson on his DVD of once upon uh-huh. a time in Mexico. And you, you learned how to just take a green screen and make a junk mat. Like they were practical filmmaking tools. Wow. And so I don't know what the behind the scenes are on these Nolan films, but I do know that the, the storytelling and the attention to detail, you can, you can just get lost with, with DVDs and Netflix and Hulu and you, it would make you a better filmmaker. I'm not saying copy. I'm saying yeah. no, no, what's coming. And shout out to you for making them watch Hitchcock because, and Orson Welles, because yeah. it does give context. Like you will enjoy, there's a Spielberg documentary on HBO. Now. I've been wanting to watch it. Yeah. It's amazing. And they show how he loved watch he still watches lawrence of arabia every year because it's a man in search of himself of self finding self-awareness and and you see the themes of his life that he put in his movies but also that he studied the masters before him yeah so when my kids see you know uh whatever the next bug's life is where somebody some disney movie where somebody's got to gather a bunch of friends i mean even <laughs> guardians of the galaxy they 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 establish this ragtag group of people mm-hmm. and fight and that goes back to the kurosawa films yeah oh yeah totally and, and the lucas lucas films i mean is lucas is is pretty much the same thing yeah and he's never been shy to admit that hidden fortress uh was a huge influence for the the, the process of new hope and um, yeah, and that's, you know, I was guilty of it growing up too. Like new, new always felt better. You know, like I wanted the newest stuff. I wanted the newest technology. Thus, I wanted the newest movies or the newest music. The old stuff was in the past. And as I've gotten older, um, you know, one realizing that we wouldn't have any of the movies we have today if not for the people who came before and who built the cinematic language that's still used now and has really not changed much since the advent of film. Um, and that's what you know teaching it is is a, a fun challenge you know i try to like we you know we started with juno which is now getting kind of dated in fact you know it's 10 years old um uh, some of the culture doesn't really mesh well with today's time and, that's right home skillet yeah, that's right exactly so and, we just need to bring it back but, but uh, yeah. <laughs> then we watch uh 
you know, I, I show clips from John Hughes films. You know, we watched. Um, oh man, my brain just went completely dead. But Pretty in pink. Uh, we haven't watched it in class Breakfast yet, Club? but we showed Breakfast clips Club. from that. Yeah. Breakfast Club. Um, we showed. Uh, I showed a clip from Heather's, um, and not a huge film, but yeah. still like that same. The, the, basically, my thought for my my first year kids was get them into high school films, like you know something that they could see that what they're going through now has been the same stuff that's been in films forever. You know, high school films. While the 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 looks change, the style of the the clothes change, the problems don't. They're always the same issues. You know, bullying's always been a problem. It's still a problem. It's been a problem, and you see it throughout films all the place. And that's been my approach: is that same idea of like started with something more more recent. Um, and we also watched uh, Jim Rash, uh, The Way Way Back. Um, oh which, yeah, that uh, was a good film. Uh, so I'm like a, Steve Carell was the stepdad. Yes, and plays uh, very much against type because he's a jerk. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Me too. Like that. Um, and I, I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan, and Sam Rockwell uh, runs the uh, the water park in that yeah movie. sam rockwell uh, yeah he, he 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 does a he he stars and i want to say it's moon yes. which was like a tip of the hat an homage uh to 2001 a space odyssey yep. like overtly an homage and that's if you don't know that and you've never seen like in in the what we're talking about now with your yeah. students and knowing the sort of the history of anything it's like if you haven't seen 2001 Space Odyssey, you'll love Moon and you'll love Sam Rockwell's performance, but it's not as impactful. It's not this as impactful. You don't get you're not in on the joke. Yeah. And and it's to some people who cares, right? Like I love hip hop. I've been into hip hop since the late 70s when I was a, a kid and it was just formulating. So my my sons hate it. My daughters hate it. My new wife is I'm trying to hold on to her, but she hates <laughs> when I do this. I'll point out the sample. Oh, okay. And I'll point out the sample of the sample. Like, yeah. You know, uh, I can't think of one right off the top of my head, but I'm like, uh, like the Jay Z has a Nina Simone oh, sample okay. in yeah. it. Yeah. Right. And when my son and I were talking about that, he got turned on to her and was just, his mind was blown because that's who Common was talking about on this interview I saw. Yeah, and you go see now you're in on the joke. Yep, you're in on you're you're in the club, and you don't have to know the history of the music to appreciate what's being done now. You may think Bruno Mars is groundbreaking. Yeah, but really he's pulling from influences. It's, yeah, it's like yeah. cameo, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I'm going to make a much more crude analogy, but like watching Spaceballs and having never seen Star Wars or Alien. That's a perfect example. Yeah, you might laugh. But you're not really laughing at the reasons that everyone else is laughing because we know why this is happening the way it's happening. Um, yeah, that's you know that's exactly. It. I actually think I'm going to use that example in my classes because that's a really great way of explaining why we go back to the old days. Because it, it is it is a struggle to convince them to give the movie its full attention. Um, I'm looking for. I'm going to be showing my uh, my advanced class Pan's Labyrinth um, in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that's a good movie. Uh, yeah. But the obstacle there, subtitles, um, which is an obstacle for two reasons. One, teenagers generally get uh, afraid of a movie that's not in their native language. But two, it is hard to show a movie with subtitles in the space that I have because oh, yeah. there's always going to be someone's head blocking it for somebody. So it's that. Maybe, Jonathan, tell them, say, hey, there's going to be some uh, texting on the screen. <laughs> oh, that is an interesting approach. Because each line is like a, is one text. That's true, and it, it. I mean, his the movies. You could. 
I feel like you could watch Pan's Labyrinth and not hear the dialogue and still get what's going on. But, you know, they definitely, um, it's a, it's always a concern when you're showing high school kids something that's outside of their comfort zone. Um, the fear is that they'll, they'll just shut it out before they give it a chance. But yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it's something that, again, it's the kids that have been with me. Cause some of my students have me all four years that they're in high school. They, uh, they develop a huge passion. Um, last year we used Blake Snyder's save the cat book and, oh yeah. um, you know, they were tasked with writing a 90 page screenplay over the course of a semester. And, it became apparent that not all of them were up to that task. The ninety pages well, that's was that's unreasonable. It, you're you're um, that's very hard. I'm cruel. But I did have one yeah. student who <laughs> really uh he not only embraced it, but he's um actively looking to turn his screenplay from last year into a film. Um he's uh he's storyboarded the entire script. Um oh, wow. I know it's it's uh, he has impressive. The kids, he's a hundred percent committed to, to film. That's that's his passion, that's what he's planning for college. Um and I'm, I'm really he's going to start shooting uh, in over Thanksgiving break in the middle of November. So I'm excited to see what, what happens with this. It's not it's his first screenplay. It'll be his first endeavor of making a feature length film. Um, and he's he's 17. So I'm excited to see what ends up happening with that. But that's awesome. That's cool. Well, um, well guys, I'm I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go. Okay. I've got to go. Uh... I've got many, many chores and responsibilities (laughs) as a father and a husband and as a filmmaker. But I'm so happy that you had me on the show. This has been a fun chat about the thing we all love. Well, thank you, Jordan. Um, Real quick before you you leave, if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, what what do they look for? Well, I'm a director, so it's it's D-I-R Jordan Brady. Der Jordan Brady. There you go. Jordan, thank you so much. Uh, we're very appreciative of all your time. Um, thank you both. All right. You have a good evening, sir. Hey, oh, you know what? I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I'll see you Thanks. online. Bye, all guys. Right, bye. Bye. All right, folks. That's the top five movies for this week. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Burke Reviews. And you can follow Corey at... Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a more traditional format of top five movies. Thank you guys and good night. Bye. Peace.